Amen. But we want to appreciate Pastor. Please clap for him. You know, when it comes to the whole concept of pastoral leadership, there are, there are many factors that make a good pastor. There are many things that come together for pastor. Pastor is supposed to be a father. He's supposed to show love to you, even when you go wrong, you know, to massage you. Pastor is supposed to be a mentor. Pastor is supposed to be a coach, a teacher, a guide. So many things. And it's sometimes very rare to have all these factors in one person. But, you know, I've worked with pastor for long. And I know that he has all these qualities in him. Amen. Oh, if you are clapping, please clap your hands. And appreciate it. This morning, I'll just, I'm going to talk briefly on start planning for next year. Start planning for next year. Not that the year has ended and not that God will not, cannot re- release a last hour miracle or not that God, what you are expecting God to do before the year ends will not come to pass. But as believers, we want to have a sneak peek into planning for next year. Amen. And one of the things that we must understand that everybody starts the year excited. Everybody starts the year with vim, with some passion. And if you're an African Christian, you come to 31st night, you are in the atmosphere of prayer, you are worshiping God, declarations are made, and the excitement is super. Amen. But in those statistics are shown that by 14 January, 90% of what we call resolutions or plans are aborted. 90% of, even without the statistics, if I should say people should lift up their hands, I'm sure I'll get about 90% of those resolutions, of those plans are aborted or abandoned or don't come to pass. And the other 10%, almost half of them stop whatever they are planning for by July. Amen. So it means that as we enter into the new year with a lot of excitement and zeal, things happen, but sometimes as Christians, we fail to plan properly into the next year. Amen. And Everybody has a vision. Everybody has a target. Everybody has something that you want to achieve as a person. Everybody has some aim, goal, objective. You want to buy a new car. You want to get married. There are many things that everybody has. And contrary to what many people think, every African leader has a vision. Just that sometimes the vision is not strong or powerful or focused enough to come into fruition or to carry a people to a place. So, Everybody has something that you're thinking about. In fact, your dreams is what migrates to your vision. So your dream is like a, it's a wishful thought. It's a wishful desire. That's a dream. Then from a dream, normally it moves to a vision. And a vision is, is a mental picture of your desired future destination. All right? So a vision is where you desire and want to be. So it has transcended the realm of just being a dream in your mind. But it has become something that you can actually see, something that you are looking forward to, to be a mental picture of where you want to be. And many things influence people's vision. Your societal environment that you're exposed to, the knowledge in your head, the norms and the values that shape your character, all those things impact on your vision, especially the environment you are exposed to. So you can have two children, you can, in fact, you can have a pair of twin, twins and you can let one be in Ghana and let one be somewhere else. 
And even though they come from the same parent, they may think and have different thoughts of life because of their environment. All right, so some time ago, I went to the Accra Mall, and at the Accra Mall, there are photoelectric doors at the entrance. So you just step in front of the door, and it opens. All right, so there was a Ghanaian couple with a child, a toddler. And the child ran to the door, and obviously the child was, I was standing outside. The child was intrigued by the fact that there's a door that opens because it means that he's normally used to a door that you have to close the hinge, push, and pull. So when the child was standing by the distance, the mother just shouted, Count, count, for you insulting the child, and just shut the child up. Then a Lebanese couple came, and their child did the same thing. And the father took the child to the door, showed him that you stand there, opens, went out, came back with the car, the child. And they, they did some motions. Then it struck me that these two children of the same age will have different perceptions about life, true or false. Most of us, they did it to us. Amen. And so it means that the vision of that particular child and the vision of the other child will be different. The outlook on life, of life is different. So generally, Ghanaians are quiet. We don't express ourselves. So if you're in Ghana, you express yourself you are either overconfident or you are too knowing, something of that sort. But the vision we have is shaped by these things. That's why the Bible says that you should renew your mind daily with the word of God. So one of the reasons why your visions or your targets or whatever cannot come to pass is that from moving from a dream, you have a vision. After the vision, you get to the realm of planning. After planning, you get to the realm of execution. After execution, you do an evaluation of that. All right, so you have a dream. You have a dream that next year, it's a wishful thought. It would be good if you buy a new car. It should be good if you build your own house or you buy land or you get married. It's a wishful thought. But it becomes a vision when you actually see it in your mind and you plan that next year by November 25th, I want to buy a new car, I want to buy a house. But... The vision is just the beginning. And African Christians are very good at resting at the vision. For a vision to come to fruition, it must be followed by planning, it must be followed by execution, and there should be some sort of evaluation after. Amen. And many people see planning as a, a canal, you know, thing. It's not spiritual to plan. If you have faith, by faith, David leaped over walls. David ran over the mountain. David did this, you know, a lot of things by faith. Amen. And faith is an important too. But the Bible said in Hebrews 11.1 1, that by a description of faith, that faith is the substance of things hopeful and the evidence of things not seen. So with your faith, you receive something. You receive a miracle, you receive a breakthrough. But the question is, after you receive it, what happens? Okay, so... What happens after your, by faith, you receive a miracle or a breakthrough? By faith, you receive this. What happened? Then most of the time, that's where we struggle as Christians. What to do next? Amen. So you want to marry by force, by fire, by tender, by everything, and you receive it. But so when you got a husband, then what happened? Amen. So we are good at exercising our faith, but... When we want a vision to come to fruition, we think the whole concept of planning is a 
carnal thing. It's not a spiritual thing. But if you check the Bible, you realize that God is a master planner. In Genesis chapter 1, if you look at the sequence of which God created the heavens and the earth, he made sure everything was in place before man came. Because if man had come before the plants had grown, we would not have anything to eat. So there was a, a proper plan in place by God. And even the whole concept of redemption, how Jesus came into the world, and everything that happened, was a master plan by God. Amen. I want to turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20. It's a very powerful scripture that we all quote. Ephesians 3, 20. I'm waiting for you. Now, okay, I'm reading. Ephesians 3, 20 says that now to him, unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, salvation say, imagine, according to the power that worketh in us. So we always focus on the power that worketh in us. It means that you must spend more time in prayer. You must exercise yourself, which is very important. But when the Bible says God can do more than you can think, or ask, if you bother to check the actual deeper meaning, it's talking about the fact that God can do what you have planned for, what you have envisioned for, what you have actually consciously put in place. God can do exceedingly and abundantly above that. So God may not necessarily do exceedingly abundantly about your desires because if God is, you are supposed to take that scripture literally, everybody here has a desire wild desires, but your desires haven't come to pass. Amen. So when God says he's going to do exceedingly abundantly above all that, he's talking about what you have consciously planned for. It has transcended from a dream to a vision. There's a plan in place. You are working towards execution. God can do exceedingly and abundantly above that. Amen. So the Bible says that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Because we don't think in our heart we think with the mind. But to think in the heart connotes that you have transcended from a dream to vision. You are in the arena and you are in the realm of planning. So many visions or many targets that we have before the year ends and before, I mean, when we start the year, they are aborted. On, it doesn't come to pass because we live it at a vision stage. I mean, the Bible says where there's no vision, the people perish. Amen. But it doesn't mean where there is vision, the people live. Amen. It's not necessarily that if there's a vision, the people will live. Alright, so the way the vision is executed and the plan for that vision will not be in place. Mugabe had a very good vision for Zimbabwe, but the planning and execution is bad. Alright, so you don't just leave it at the vision stage. You don't just leave it at that particular stage. So today we are going to look at the whole concept of planning and planning for next year. Now, when we talk of planning, you don't wait till 31st night in the prayer time. The pastor says, spend two minutes, just think about God. Then you are now realizing, Charlie, next year I need a car, I want to do this. Is it defeatist to plan or to have your targets for next year or your vision for next year? On the 31st night, you plan before. That is why the budget of Ghana is read in November. So by this time, in every, almost every corporate organization, the plan and the vision for next year is already sorted. It's already crystallized. Amen. 
you are just moving into execution. So you don't wait to plan on the first night. And it's amazing because 1st January, which is supposed to be one of the most serious days in the year, is a holiday. So it means as you are starting the day, the year minus one. So there's most, that's why Mondays are very serious days at work. Amen. But amazingly, it's a holiday. I don't know why, but we all came to meet it. And in Ghana, if it falls on Sunday, Monday will be a holiday. So, it means that a typical Ghanaian, you start the year minus one. You have 364 days for the year. Then you have about 100 and something weekends. So, it means that you have about 264 days in a year. And everybody spends, your productive time in a day is about eight hours. If you divide that by it, it means that Every Ghanaian, and I'm really going to hit on the word Ghanaian, amen, has about 87, almost 90 days to live in a year. So it means that you see the year as a long year, but your productive time in a year is just three months. And if you try to push yourself, the farthest you can go is five to six months. You reduce your sleep and all that kind of stuff. So it means that you don't use two minutes at the 31st night to plan for three months. When you're going to use three months to hold 365 days. Amen. So, you plan ahead. Tell somebody, plan ahead. Oh, the thing is tricking you. So, tell somebody, plan ahead. I want to turn our Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 9. Luke 9, I'll read from the King James. Luke chapter 9, verses 10 to 17. Luke 9, 10 to 17. I'm reading. And the apostles, when they were returned, told him all that they had done. And he took them and went aside privately into a desert place belonging to a city called Bethsaida. Before this, Jesus had anointed the apostles. The Bible said, the apostles went out and they had cast out demons, they had healed the sick, so they were very happy. So they came and told Jesus all that they had done. That's how our 31st night is. We are all happy and everything is happening. Amen. And verse 11, and the people, when they knew it, followed him and he received them and spake unto them of the kingdom of God and healed them that had need of healing. Verse 12, and when the day began to wear away, then came the twelve and said unto him, Send the multitude away, that they may go into the towns and country round about and lodge and get victuals, that is, get food and other items, for we are here in a desert place. Verse 13, but he said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And I want you to know what Jesus said. Jesus said, Give ye them to eat. Immediately after Jesus heard everything that they had said and their realistic vision, Jesus said, give ye them to eat. And they said, we have no more but five loaves and two fishes, except we should go and buy meat for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, make them sit down by fifties in a company. And they did so, and made them all sit down. Then he, said, then he took the five loaves and the two fishes, and looking up to heaven, he blessed them and break, and gave to the disciples to set before the multitude. And they did eat. And we were all filled. And there was taken up of fragments that remained to them 12 
baskets. Amen. Now, today, the main point of the message, we're going to look at three hours for planning for next year. Three hours for planning for next year. The first one is to rethink, to reset, and to re-strategize. Rethink, reset, and to re-strategize. Can you please say that to me? Rethink. This is the only time I get all of you to say something after me, so say it well. Rethink, reset, re-strategize. Again, rethink, reset, and re-strategize. For the last time, rethink, reset, and re-strategize. It's nice to be a teacher. Amen. Now, so, so it means that after we crystallize our vision and what you want to do, we must have a plan. You must have a plan in mind. Now, when planning for the next year, which is, in our case, 2018, the first thing to do is to rethink. In verses 12, Jesus told them, when, in verse 12, when he had told Jesus of all the problems, verse 13, Jesus said, give ye them to eat. Now, when we say rethink, the first thing that, the statement that Jesus made to them, the first one was that they had to analyze the previous year, analyze the whole situation again. In planning for the next year, you must take your time to look back or analyze what happened in the previous year. Analyze the whole show. When I say analyze, analyze is not a big way, but for want of better let say think about the past year. Look at what went well, what didn't go well, what you set out to achieve but you couldn't achieve, the things that happened, the mishaps, everything. Analyze the whole thing. When we say rethink, the second thing is that you must look, take a second look at your potential. That's really look at your potential. They, they told Jesus that they have no food to eat. I mean, and the place is a desert and we can't, we don't have money to buy. Even if we have money to buy food, there's no food to buy. But when Jesus said, give ye them to eat, he made them really look at their potential. So they had to go back and look at what they had. And they brought five loaves of bread and two fish. All right, so, for example, if you plan to buy a car next year, and maybe you couldn't get it this year, you need to look at the reasons why I couldn't get a car. And it all boils down to money, your financial capacity to buy a car, a car of your choice, or a car that can take you around. So you need to analyze the past year. I mean, what I did, if I saved some money, how much I saved, and everything. And your money was short. So you have, at least you have a good idea of what happened last year. So you must really look at the potential. That's the potential for making more money. You need to look at it. All right? So if you were getting money and spending all your money on credit, then you need to realign everything that you do. So you give your tithe, you pay yourself, you pay your bills, you take care of your family, whatever be the case. And you know how much money you have. So you take a good look at your potential. So the, the apostles went to look for food in the camp. The third thing when we say rethink is that you must reach out for new opportunities. All right, so if you look at your salary, and maybe your salary is 1,000 CDs, 10% savings of that is 100 Ghana a month. Maybe if you save that in a year, that's 1,000 to interest, 20%. Not DKM interest, I mean real proper interest. 
I know that there are some of us here. If I give you that, I can give 100% in two days. You will bring the money. Amen. It's called the greed of man. So you look at all that. So you realize that, I mean, there may be no way in which I can really realistically buy a car. So you got to look at new opportunities of making money. Look at new opportunities, new ways to go about it. All right, so what we say in planning, the first thing is rethink. You must analyze the year that went. You must look at, again, look again at your potential. The third thing is that you must reach out for new opportunities. The second thing is to reset. And in the verse 14, Jesus said, make them sit down by 50s in a company. You don't plan in anxiety or you don't plan in worry. As we were rightly told last week. You don't plan in anxiety or in worry or in the state of emergency. That's why everything done in the state of emergency is supposed to be temporary. But in Ghana, it's, it's not the same. Amen. But you don't plan in a state of worry. This year, you couldn't buy a car. So next year, you want to buy a car again. Get, get, get. No, no, no. Anytime you're planning, you should be in a comfortable, if I put it that way. You should be in a peaceful state of mind. You should be level-headed. Your emotions should not come into your planning. Your emotions should not come into your planning. You don't just walk then, all your two friends have bought a car, so emotionally you plan that next year I'm buying a car by hook or crook. You don't plan that way. Alright? So you plan in a level-headed manner. That's why you reset. Tell somebody, reset. Oh, reset. Today you release, I, I won't get this opportunity again. So reset. Reset. All right. Now the third one is to re-strategize. To re-strategize. I'm going to focus on that. Verse 16 and verse 17. Then he took the five loaves and the two fishes. And looking up to heaven, he blessed them and break and gave to the disciples to set before the multitude. And they did eat and they were all filled. Now, when we come to re-strategizing, the first thing that you do as a Christian is that you must commit every particular plan or vision into the hands of God. The Bible says Jesus took the bread and he blessed it and he offered, he lifted it up to, to God. Once you are a believer, many, many people say that, but the Christians are not tightened, but they are prospering. And I'm tightened, but I'm not prospering. Once you are in the kingdom, you follow the rules of the kingdom. You understand? So the fact that somebody is doing something outside God and is going well, it doesn't mean when you do it, you have the same result. Because you are in another place. So for every plan of vision that you take, you must commit it to God. The multiplication came on the bread only after Jesus lifted the bread up to God and God blessed it. So the first thing when you are re-strategizing is that you must commit your plan unto God. And committing your plan to God can either mean your vision or whatever you want to achieve will be struck out or God will give you an okay for that. Amen. Secondly, the Bible said Jesus gave to the disciples, that's 12 disciples, to share the bread. For the number of people that had to be fed, Jesus, if Jesus didn't have 12 disciples, it would have been as disciples he can trust because when it comes to sharing of bread, 
two people can share three loaves of bread and still somebody won't get. So you need people who you can trust to share the bread. And that talks of capacity. In re-strategizing, you must develop your capacity. You must develop your capacity. Now, in the modern Ghanaian church, one of the, apart from finances, the second powerful prayer topic is marriage. Amen. And I have a lawyer friend, and uh, you are laughing. He tells me that every week, he does two divorces. And, every, and so, me, this year, he has done about 700 and something divorces in a year. And legally, if you haven't been married for two years, and you go to the court, you have a problem. The court will tell you that because you are less than two years, go and work it out. After two years, you come. But these days, the judges are becoming, they are worrying the judges. If you come, they'll just stop the divorce for you. And he tells me that most of them are people who go to church. People who are what we call powerful Christians. Amen. So it means that these people, by faith, prayed and prayed for a marriage. But that's why I said, when you receive it after faith, what happens? So that's why you have to develop your capacity for it. Every blessing that you seek from God, or everything that you seek from God, if you do not develop your capacity for it, it will be like pouring old wine, a new wineskin. The wineskin, I mean, new wine and old wineskin. The wineskin is going to break apart. The Bible said that, by faith, Elijah... And both Elisha did the same miracle that take vessels of oil, take empty vessels and leave them there. God will fill the vessels with oil. So when the number of vessels got finished, the oil also got finished. Now, nobody tells us if the woman was able to sell the oil to pay her debt. But you see, faith provokes the oil to come. But God won't come and sell the oil to pay your debt. Amen. So, if after that miracle, the woman decided to share the oil for her family members and to throw a party and not pay a debt, she would still be in the situation where she came back to pray for. you understand? Amen. So in re-strategizing, you must develop your capacity. You are praying for a car, but you have never even seen, you haven't stepped on an accelerator before. Go and learn how to drive. You want to buy land, you don't know where we sell land. You don't even know where land's commission office is. And so when you are planning, you must also cumulatively, you must develop your capacity to be able to hold what you want. Amen. The third thing is that in giving to the disciples, Jesus took advantage of his network. He took advantage of the support systems around him. There is no way God gives one man a vision, but Anytime he's releasing provision for that vision, he works with people around him or fellow human beings. Amen. So if you're supposed to be a billionaire or to raise a mighty company, you are not going to work alone. You need people to work with. You need people to be linked to. So you leverage on your support systems. You leverage on the things around you to get what you want. When it comes to capacity and because of the constraints of where we are as Ghanaians, the best way to develop your capacity is to read. 
the best way to develop capacity is read. And I know many Ghanaians don't like reading. No, one day I did something with Sebastian some time ago. We put a notice on the notice board, a very important notice. And after two weeks, there was no response from the notice. It means that nobody decided to pass there to read the announcement. Amen. And reading is something that, you know, one man said that if you have gone to school and you can read and you don't read, you are just like your grandmother who can read. There's no difference in it. Amen. I will leave the reading there. Amen. So, you have to rethink. You have to reset your mind. And you have to re-strategize. You want to take in planning for the next year. Amen. Now, in the verse 17, said that, and they did eat, and were all filled. And were taken up, and the, and there was taken up of fragments that remained to them, twelve baskets, twelve baskets. The whole concept of Jesus not allowing them to waste the the bread that was shared. It just was a manifestation of wisdom. Tell somebody wisdom. Please say it again, wisdom. You know. Even though the Bible says in James chapter 1 verse 5 that we should pray for wisdom. And we know Solomon prayed for wisdom. You know, someone told me that when they say we should pray for wisdom, and we use the example that most of us who need prayer, that Solomon prayed for wisdom and God added wealth. It's not because of the wisdom, but the fact that God added money to their wisdom. But sometimes when we are living our lives, it is easy to live your life without applying wisdom. It's very easy to live your life without applying wisdom. And it's easier to be an African Christian without applying wisdom. Very easy. But when you are planning for the next year, when you are planning for the future, when you are planning to achieve a particular aim, target, or vision, after rethinking, after resetting, after re-strategizing, you must apply wisdom. Because sometimes you need to weigh the realistic nature of one against the other. Sometimes you look, look at certain things. Sometimes when you look at your capacity, you realize that you don't think you're ready for this year. So you push it to the next year. You don't think you can do this, so you push it to the next year. I mean, you weigh your options. Amen. But because we have pushed faith so much and we have pushed certain things so much, we always fail to use wisdom in the little things that we do. The Bible says in Matthew 10 that wisdom is seen in his children. It means that if you want to know who a wise man is, you must just look at the wise man's actions and the wise man's life. You can tell whether he's a wise man or not. Amen. So when I come to your house and I just, I don't have to ask you whether you're a clean person or not a clean person. By looking in your house, wherever you take me, I should be able to tell whether you are clean or not. So when pastor comes to your house, you always say he wants to go to the washroom. Because the washroom is a is the mirror image of a man. Amen. Because sometimes you don't expect that you go to the washroom, so you clean the hall, you know. And 
after his chemotherapy treatment. But the washroom is, amen. Amen. So the Bible said that after doing all this, they did eat and were all filled. So it means that between the apostles bringing the problem and the people eating, there was a particular plan that Jesus put in place. Because it's amazing. Jesus could have just conjured bread and given to the people. But he had to take the disciples through all these steps. They could have shared the bread without letting them sit down in fifties. He could have shared the bread powerfully, like you see in the movies. He could have done this and all the bread, a knife would come from above and cut the bread, cha, 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 and put the sardine inside. Cha, cha, cha. I know most of the times when we are praying about miracles, that's where people's mind go to. Amen. Jesus could have done all that, could have done. And there's nothing that says that it is impossible for Jesus to do that. But he actually let them go through these processes. To me, that there is a reason why God wants us to think. He wants us to reset. He wants us to strategize. There's a reason why God wants us to actually sit down and plan ahead. That is when he, God steps in and will do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you have asked and what you have thought. Amen. The reason why God do it. The Bible says in John chapter 2 that at the wedding, Jesus told them to bring jars and fill it with water. But Jesus could have also prayed and a dispenser will come in the air and the drink will be passed into the dispenser and they'll be drinking. But he actually told them to bring the jars and fill it with water. If you look at all the miracles of Jesus, there is always, up to an extent, the responsibility of man in it. The Bible said in Hebrews 4 that the word of God did not profit the Israelites because they did not mix it with faith. It means that when we say mix it with faith, to mix with faith is a conscious effort. It's a responsibility of a believer. You take it and mix it with faith. The word of God will be delivered to you. Faith will preach to you. will lift up prayers. And if you are in this church, you are never short of prayers. Amen. Because, I mean, there's always things being stirred up in the atmosphere. But after all is said and done, the responsibility lies on you to mix it with faith. So if pastor prophesies to you that he sees that a year by this time, which one should I use? The marriage, the car, or the house? Marriage. Because anytime we talk about marriage, this is the most excited part of the church. So he releases it by a year by this time. If you study how miracles happen, there is something, there is responsibility that you have to take. So you be in the house every day expecting that a man will walk to your gate, knock the door, God said, blah, blah, blah. No. I mean, there are many things that come with it. So God expects us to meticulously use the responsibility. That is why God gave us a brain. Have you ever wondered why God gave us a brain? Why God gave you a mind to do certain things. If we didn't need our mind, he won't put it there. Amen. So you don't take the gospel out of context in thinking that once we are in Christ, the mind is useless. And those who are in the world. Because it's amazing. Christians get the biggest breakthroughs and the biggest miracles. But Christians have the least impact and the least influence. But in the times of Jesus, when Jesus did one miracle, the whole city was changed. 
But sometimes somebody gets a miracle and you don't see the impact of that miracle in the persons around you. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I want to stand to our feet. I want to, I'll cut it here. Amen. I want to stand to our feet. We want to pray shortly for ourselves before we take our communion, before we take our tithe. The Bible said, and they did eat, and were all filled, and there was taken up a fragment that remained of them twelve baskets. We want to pray into, as the year is coming on to an end, we want to pray into the end of the year. We want to pray into 2018. The Bible said, and they did eat and were all filled. And that is the prayer I want to pray for yourself tonight, this morning. We want to pray that you will eat and you will be filled. Hallelujah. It means that everything that you set your mind to be, as you take them through these processes, you will eat and you will be filled. You want to lift up your voice. You want to pray for yourself. You want to pray that as the year is coming to an end, may I eat and may I be full. As we enter into next year, may I eat and may I be full. May I be able to go through all these things. Lada bahako shanda bahas. Brando zila bahatas. You want to lift up your voice and pray. Bahado for shanda bahas. And they did eat and they were filled. Lando boho shanda bahas. Braka do zika andala bazun ketele boho Adene mekosh andabaho ziba labahas. Brakos shanda labahan do zini miko boho shadahas. Ikala bahan turi mahan do shanda bahas. Lebreka dazadele bahon do shanda bahas. Mako sidelebo shanda bahas. Landi mahakawala bo shanda. You want to pray for yourself. That your mind will be sharpened. God will give you the grace to plan into the next year. You may not have gotten it this year. The year is ending. You may get it. But you want to pray that. But as for next year, as you rethink, as you reset, as you re strategize, as you apply godly wisdom, may you eat and you may you be full. May God give you the fatness of the year. Mahan Dokoboho Shadina Bahatas. Makabranda Zondo Logoboho Shandabas. Madakira Lahando Labrando Shandabas. Yandela Lebrahando Kira Bahando Azar. E Kabala Bahantalo Azar. Brando Shado Loboho Kodi Lebrondo Satas. Ledebeheko Shadini Atosa. Manto Kida Adini Miho Sandalabas. Rabba da kadala agadi mahandaluata. Eko lobohos. Ibrandosha. Lift up your voice and pray. Rada bahada. Leboho shanda bahas. Yete brandele bababo shandaba. May God give you grace. May God strengthen you. La bahandolo brondo sandabaha. Leke bahandosha. That every dream of yours will crystallize into a vision. La bahaha. La bahako shandaba. That you will plan it by the grace of God. Likoho Shandabaha, Lebindoho Shandabaha. You want to put it that God will do exceedingly and abundantly. Lebo Shanda, above that which you are praying for this morning, and above that which you think and plan. Mahato Sindabahas, Brekados Kadina Mahatas, Mahakadalabosh Andalabahasa, Radekos Imoho Sata, Mando Kolobrondo Shandabahas.
We are about to take the communion and you want to pray for yourself. The communion is a covenant that Jesus Christ left us with. You want to prepare yourself? You want to ask 